Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaHealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Welcome to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods. Happy Monday to everybody. I think we have a very interesting show today. Our title is Under the Influence, Contemporary Challenges of Designer Drugs. And our guests today are Mary Hauser and Lisa Marzilli, who are both from Dominion Diagnostics. And um, I'm not sure if most of you are familiar with designer drugs, but one of the ones that we're seeing a lot of here in New Hampshire is Spice, which is a synthetic cannabinoid that was used in research um, to try to determine the effects of marijuana. So um, we've got a great show planned, and I'd like to uh, introduce Lisa and Mary. Could you both just tell us a little bit about your backgrounds, and then we'll get into the questions? Sure. Um, It's Mary Hauser speaking, and I'm the Vice President of Addiction Services here at Dominion. And I've been in the field working with addiction and behavioral health since 1971. I started in the Midwest and relocated out to Rhode Island. I've run most forms of treatment um, and actually joined the team at Dominion about 12 years ago and joined it because of frustration with uh, poor quality laboratory testing and and felt that it should be... uh, My concern was that it needed to be honed better to the clinician so that we could actually use it more effectively in the treatment of, of addiction and working with our clients. So it's been an interesting experience the last 12 years of watching the evolution of drug testing improve, uh, the quality of tools improve for the clinics and for the clients. And now uh, today we're going to be talking about the new challenges, which are the designer drugs. So I'll defer now over to Lisa. Hi, this is Lisa Mazzilli, and I'm a pharmacist and joined Dominion about a year and a half ago. I work in the clinical services department, um, which fields calls uh, to assist physicians and clinicians in interpreting uh, the urine drug testing results and a multitude of other projects, and more recently kind of veered into the research arena. Uh, the majority of my career I was in uh, more hands-on patient care and retail pharmacy. So a lot of this is new to me as well, but it's been very interesting. Um, and I look forward to learning more. But this, as Mary said, designer drugs have really taken a huge foothold and gained a lot of popularity. Um, and for those listeners that are not familiar, a designer drug, they used to be called club-type drugs, and more now designer drugs refer to substances that mimic actual illicit drug substances. And I'm going to defer to Mary here to elaborate. Uh, well, what we 
the I think the trends in the drug field. I think most of us who've worked in it understand that the the ecstasies, the uh, high potency marijuana, the run of the PCPs, and what we're seeing in the designer market is that these are actually uh, drugs that mimic the effects of many of these drugs. So with spice, we're looking at it mimicking a marijuana. With uh, bath salts, which we're going to be chatting about later, uh, that gets known on the street as synthetic cocaine. So it's actually mimicking many of the effects of drugs of abuse. The difficulty and the challenge for clinicians as well as for labs is that these are not structurally uh, similar. And so we have to be testing for a very unique molecular structure and that some of the, and so it, uh, it, up until very recently, we couldn't detect it on a drug test. So that's why it, it hit us kind of by surprise as it moved through the market. But the effect on our clients is very similar to the classic drugs. So uh, we're going to be getting into that in more detail. But I hope that gives an overview of where we're dif- differentiating the drugs and, it's, and the mimicry to some of the classic drugs of abuse we're more used to dealing with. That, that's a great overview. I think it's also important for people to understand that these, these uh, drugs are popular because a, for the most part, they're hard to detect in the urine. They get the same physical effects or the same higher rush that other right. more traditional drugs give, and um, they're quote-unquote legal. So right. the, the, the kind of the mindset is, well, you know, I can buy it over the counter. I can get it on the Internet, so it's okay to take it. Right, and actually when, you, when we look at spice, um, it became, prior to March 1st of this year, it was not classified by the DEA as a control one substance. So it was legal, essentially. There were states that had banned it, but it's very hard to wrap your arms around something when it's so readily available. Um, but again, like you said, purchasing on the Internet, what is it that you're getting? So there could be other substances in it. Most users are expecting a similar euphoric high as they do with THC, uh, but the reality is, you said initially these were compounds that were developed for research purposes, hopefully to have therapeutic usage. Um, so the actual synthetic cannabinoid is more potent, and what that means is you need actually less amount to get the same effect. But here again, not knowing the contents. Um, we spoke briefly earlier about malingering effects that you wouldn't anticipate. Um, you know, there are safety concerns because it's marketed as an herbal incense or a natural product, so it, it can really um, give the sense of safety when that's not the case. Um, we've had a few folks here at Westbridge um, use spice, and they bought it at the tobacco store right yeah. across the street. And the packaging is very geared toward, um, you know, it's kind of like psychedelic packaging. It's very attractive packaging, very eye-catching. So obviously they're marketing to a certain age group. Yeah, they're targeting, um, and and it is eye-catching. And for a long time you could actually buy it at not only at tobacco shops, obviously, as Lisa said, the Internet, but you could also buy it at convenience stores. I mean, what was startling for me was to walk into a, a 7-Eleven type market and see the high energy drinks and right next to it was being sold spice. Uh, so there was being marketed in convenience stores in uh, tobacco shops and it is eye-catching. It, you know, they have 
uh, glittery packages. They call it, you know, spice gold. Uh, they have great names depending on the part of the country you're in. Uh, you know, so it's it's definitely they they know their marketing, they know their target, and I think what's amazing for us is that they know that they're putting something out there, even though it says not for human consumption. They know it's a workaround to get people to use it, um, smoke it, and if it does become illegal, they will just change the molecular structure and come out with a new product within within a few months. So we're already hearing that K3 is in development and getting ready to hit the hit the 7-Eleven stores. So keeping up with these trends is the challenge that we all have. But the reality is is that, you know, it's being abused, it's being misused, and it, it's as Lisa mentioned, we are hearing a range of effects anywhere from the short-lived euphoria to long-lasting effects of uh, of somebody who it, it reminds me, as I said to you earlier, Mary, it reminds me of the PCP outbreak of the 80s, where we weren't sure of what was going on with the individual, and we find out it was two or three or four exposures to PCP, and we have this massive affective disorder that we're dealing with on the other side that it takes months to see them balance back down. So it's a challenge for all of us. Who manufactures all of these designer drugs? Well, a lot of them are uh, manufactured in Asia, and some that we'll talk about in the latter segments are plants grown in Asia. A lot of them come out of China as well. So with the big trade lines, typically it'll come through Europe and the U.K. and gain popularity a year or two before it comes to the States. But the mass, most of the mass quantities come out of China and Asia. And... Um, K, K2 or SPICE was originally a research used for research purposes. Right. How does that end up on the market? Uh, supposedly from, you know, when I dug back, there were actually two compounds because Mary referred to uh, the tweaking of compounds. SPICE or K2 as a synthetic cannabinoid was uh, used to try to elucidate or discover what the cannabinoid receptor could do as a therapeutic agent, but they had a very hard time separating the um, psychedelic or or behavioral component from true therapeutic use. And what they were looking into was brain injury, stroke, uh, believe it or not, some forms of cancer and MS. So apparently they were stolen from the research lab, and that was the origination. And then mass quantities as I said, typically Asia and China is where they come out of. But that said, the other piece reflecting back on what Mary mentioned about it becomes difficult as time goes on with the compounds being tweaked because there are so many different chemical compounds that are part of the synthetic cannabinoid family. You're always going to be chasing, chasing on the urine drug test as well as legalese. Because for the DEA federally to catch up with it, there's so there's such an administrative lag. Um, you know, states can ban it, but to truly classify it as a controlled substance takes time. And I believe Mary mentioned this as well. A, a, just a tweak of a molecular structure is all it takes to then have to name it a different compound. Well, you know, I guess... It's been my experience that even with people who were using traditional drugs like cocaine, heroin, 
that if if people want to get past drug screen, ultimately right. there's ways that they find to dilute it or alter it. And it right. seems to me like we're always chasing our tail. That's true. And so that's where the I think clinicians have to just be aware that these are the availability of these uh, compounds on the street to enhance their assessment tools, to include uh, a broader scope because a client can be sitting there and you do the traditional, have you used marijuana, have you used cocaine, have you used opiates, have you used opioids? And if the, if the client will say yes or no to all these things, now you need to ask the question, have you ever used spice? Have you ever done K2? Have you ever done any other form of synthetic? So it does force us in the field to broaden our spectrum and be aware of these trends out there. And you're right, Mary. I mean, we, we can always, there's always some way or something that happens in drug screening. I mean, we try to do it as an assist to the clinicians. But uh, I think awareness from the clinical interview perspective and assessment perspective is crucial. And usually how we find out about these drug trends is from our, the clinics we work with calling us and saying, I just intake a young man who mentioned spice to me. Do you know what that is? And, and that we'll does right get back. a flurry of activity back in our lab to research it and find out what this young person is referring to. And we'll be right back after this commercial. If you have any questions for Mary or Lisa, please give us a call. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Can you imagine a technology that takes human consciousness to the next level? One that reveals a new understanding of what is valuable and possible in the abundant support of life? The truth is, we already have that technology. We simply need to awaken to it and become the value it creates. For more about this, please tune in to Awakening Value, Shamanic Technologies of Consciousness and Success with host Marty Spiegelman. Awakening Value is live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. 
You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. Today we're talking about designer drugs with Lisa Marzilli and Mary Hauser from Dominion Diagnostics. And I think if any of you out there are experiencing trends with different designer drugs, please give us a call because we'd like to talk about that and learn about that. One of the challenges that we've experienced here at Westbridge is, especially with Spice, is that people, you you know there's something off because because they're just not acting the same, but their pulse is fine, their blood pressure is fine, their pupils are equal and reactive. The the traditional physical symptoms that we look for for somebody being under the influence are absent. So it's it's really difficult to um, to say, wow, you know, it looks like you've been using something, but I'm not sure what it is. And if people don't own it, there's just this lingering like something's not right. Um, right. And I think that um, I, I totally concur with you. And the, and the difficulty is is that their affect is off. Right. But beyond that, they're not going to have any of the classic symptoms of intoxication. Um, and so it, again, is it's honing into a, a good history, a good looking at usage history and asking the specific question of, um, you know, have you been abusing any of the new drugs like spice or K2, and you do have to kind of run through a couple of different names because of different parts of the country being called different things. But um, but you certainly do see that. We've, we've seen, we haven't at least, and, and callers can certainly call in and correct this if they've been seeing it in their practice, we do not see uh, the long-term effects with the K2 and SPICE um, as, as life-threatening. We certainly see it as mood-altering. Um, in the in the worst sense of the definition of that term, so it can uh, it can certainly change the person's affect. It can certainly in in some cases make them very paranoid. It, it can certainly bring on all the classic symptoms that you would see if you're doing a mental health exam along with a, uh, a, a addiction history with them. And the and the reporter, the the family or the or the support system are going to report that this person has changed dramatically. Um, but we are seeing that the increased use, um, it, it, it was experimental use in the beginning when we first started hearing about it. Now we have people going into treatment centers saying that their drug of choice is spice. So that certainly has been a dramatic change over about seven or eight months. Yeah, I just I would just like listeners to know that at Westbridge we work with folks that have major mental illness such as schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, um, bipolar disorder, and a couple of our folks that have, have a uh, schizoaffective or schizophrenic disorder have used this, and it has just really um, set them back for months where their their ability to hold two thoughts have been really impaired, their level of um, their memory has been severely impaired. Um, one person we almost thought may have to go to assisted living because he just couldn't connect the dots, and this mm-hmm. it took him about three months to get back to, to base level. So if people are using any of these designer drugs with any kind of mental illness, you're really it's really dangerous and you're really playing with fire. So I just right. want to put that out there. Um, 
What about, you had mentioned Ivory Wave. What is that? Ivory Wave, um, it's a synthetic stimulant, and there's probably over 40 brand-name products out there, but it goes by names of Vanilla Sky, Purple Wavy, Cloud Nine, and several others. Uh, but it has stimulant-like effects. And, again, right now is not a controlled substance, but certainly Mary and I had done an addiction presentation in February, and just the increase since February till now, the wave has been so huge across the country. Um, I don't know if you saw there was a Dateline clip uh, a couple of weeks back on a Sunday, and it's just you know, emergency rooms are flooded, poison control hotlines. Uh, but as Mary mentioned early on, it, it mimics, it's, it's a similar effects as cocaine. But the product itself, when it's sold, they're not sure what's in it. And again, is labeled as not for human consumption. How do people use this? Do they smoke it or snort it or swallow it? Typically, it's snorted. That's its most potent delivery, uh, but it also can be smoked or mixed with a beverage, water, or juice, but typically it's snorted. Yeah, I think people have to realize, uh, Lisa and I did a, a large group meeting last week, and the group we were talking to um, was probation and parole officers, and they were looking at us in a bit of disbelief. And so I challenged them to go online. And and they had their smartphones with them, and they went online, and they were like, oh, my gosh. I said, just punch in basalts. And they got hits for high-quality basalts, you know, $29.95 delivered to your house. Next one said, best basalts on the market. We'll get give you the best high. So, I mean, uh, unlike um, Spice, which we talked about, smoke shops and convenience stores, what I'm hearing is most of the basalts, because of the concerns out of Florida where this really grabbed on early and the state of Florida stepped up and banned it, unlike that, it seems like the Internet is the biggest exchange right now of getting ivory wave or basalts delivered to the house. Um, and our clients are not always really the smartest clients. I was doing a group, and I had a woman turn to me and say, have, I, have you heard about basalts? And I said, yes. And she said, well, it doesn't work. And I said, really? She said, yeah, I got a very nasty taste in my mouth, kind of foamy. And I said, where did you buy the bath salts? And she said, Macy's. So, um, you know, they hear this stuff and they're not quite sure. But if they do some checking online, they can certainly get the underground version, which is the psychoactive methadone, which is definitely dangerous. And this is the drug where we... Uh, the side effects of ivory wave. Well, the the effects are similar to the the rush and increased energy, insomnia, etc. And the ill effects are also going to be honed out of that rapid heart rate, paranoia, hallucination. But the disturbing thing, and I think you know the Dateline series really brought it to light, was violent and combative behavior. Uh, self-mutilation, suicidal ideations, and sometimes even homicidal. And as you brought up with spice, um, you know, certainly if an uh, individual is not predisposed to psychoses, uh, that can still be seen in K2. It's the rare, but with ivory wave, I mean, it, it's much more prevalent. And a lot of the ill effects can result in death. So poison control centers, emergency rooms, They've just been inundated, 
And again, where the product is listed as not for human consumption, um, and in fact, a lot of the product you know can be used as insect repellent. It's quite toxic. And Mary mentioned methadrone. Methadrone is also a stimulant, and a lot of the ivory wave packets may also contain methadrone. So that's like a double whammy. It's you know a synthetic stimulant also going to mimic um, the the same properties. Is there a way to test for ivory wave? Yes. Yeah, there there is testing available for both ivory wave and the methadrone. So um, if there if you're in a market where this is of concern, um, yeah, you need to chat with your local laboratory or you can give us a call. But tests are available for the for both K2, uh, the spice compounds, and the ivory wave. What are bath salts? Can you explain to our listeners what they are? Well, that's just uh, another terminology. Uh, typically. It's a white powder, almost crystallized. Um, so that's just another term they use for ivory waves. But it can also look tan or brown. It's sold in discs or packets. Um, and, it, and it was just a terminology to throw things off. So on the Internet, it's they buy these bath salts, not for human consumption. So it's just kind of a coined phrase. It looks very similar to bath salts. And that's where it got its, um, its, I guess, its street credo, was that if you look at a packet of ivory wave, it can look like you just are bringing bath salts into the house. Hmm. And that's where um, parents need to be educated. So, uh, And I, I don't think you have, like, a dateline would um, do these types of things without concerns coming. Uh, and when I was in Florida about a year ago, they had three deaths, and they were attributing it all to the bath salts. And in Florida, it, it's marketed definitely as bath salts, not ivory wave. And typically when Mary says uh, death resulting, it's usually ill effects on the heart or nervous system and circulation that they found. Um, but again, what is in the products? Because there was an article in the Wall Street Journal a couple of years back when methadrone was big in the UK, and they talked about the production of other type of designer drugs or tweaking molecular substances. And when they looked across the board at various substances, um, not what we're talking about in particularly, but the, the toxicity of some of the product additives are things that they use in industry to make plastics break fluid and pesticides, just to give you an idea of you know, the potentials, aside from the ill cardiac and circulatory effects. So it could be a plethora of reasons why somebody dies, but it's certainly the dateline, if nothing else, captured the attention. Uh, Father told a very gut-wrenching story of his son uh, dying to suicide and how quickly he became physically dependent and psychologically dependent and wanting this more and more, that drive, um, and so it, it, it really, it was shocking to see from, say, February till now how it swept the country. And as you saw with K2, it's going to have a lag time before it can go through the administrative gyrations to become controlled. And at that point, it'll be harder to get, but as you mentioned, you know, there will be something else on the way. Do, do either one of these uh, drugs uh, affect the fetus, do we know, do, for, in pregnant women? I don't think there's enough research out right now. 
I don't think they've been, um, you know, and it's like everything else that catches us off guard. I mean, one could make an assumption that there's a, a, an effect on a, on a pregnant woman, but as far as I know, and Lisa can correct me if I'm wrong, I have not seen any longitudinal studies that have gone into fetus or pregnant women to that extent, but I'm sure that will be looked at. Yeah, and I concur with Mary, as with anything else, you know, to be studied, you have to accumulate data over periods of years to say that, but your intuitive thought, it would make sense that it would affect the fetus, but uh, I think you're not going to see those types of informational scientific studies for a while because they're just trying to battle it on the front line right now, so to speak. Um, and we'll be right back with our guests after this commercial. Uh, give us a call if you have any comments or you're experiencing um, an epidemic of designer drugs. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. Our guests today are 
Mary Hauser and Lisa Marzilli, and we're talking about um, the contemporary challenges of designer drugs. And I, I guess I have to say that as addiction professional, um, all of this, I think, caught us, we were somewhat flat-footed. I'm not seeing a lot of um, articles. I'm not seeing a lot of alerts. Um, when ecstasy came out, we got, you know, we got fact sheets from NIDA. When ketamine came out, we got fact sheets about that. And everybody was kind of buzzing about it. And mm-hmm. and I'm just wondering, is it is this occurring in a different demographic that, that we're not as in tune to? Or, I mean... Are we all just tired of all this? I mean, why aren't we? Why isn't this being talked about more? Well, I can. I, I guess the only way I can address it is that I think these drugs have hit regionally, and it hasn't because, as I mentioned before, I mean, I can go back to the methamphetamine and and having traveled to the West Coast at the height of the methamphetamine um, outbreak, and you couldn't watch anything on local news without hearing about a meth lab. And I would come back to the New England area, and I'd hear nothing about it. So it took a while for it to trend nationally. I think what we're seeing with the designer drugs, the same thing is occurring. I mean, when I was in Florida less than a year ago, I mean, they had the attorney general on the steps talking about banning bath salts because of dust-related. That did not get picked up nationally. As this has trended uh, north, west, and east, I think we're now starting to see concerns. And, and I can tell you from my perspective from the laboratory perspective is probably one of the things that we get asked to speak on um, and we've been asked to speak on frequently over the past few months. Uh, we just did an article um, for Behavioral Health, uh, the Behavioral Health Journal, on designer drugs and, and how we're testing for those and the challenges. So I think word is getting out. I just think it's been so pocketed in regions, um, and if you're in a region where it's not been as penetrated. But I think on the same token, it's naive for addiction folks to think it's not in my market. Uh, Because certainly when I chat with clients in treatment programs, they educate me right away, and I know immediately. uh, I think after the February talk Lisa was referring to, we were under the impression, and this is a drug we'll get to in a minute, that Kratom really had not come to the Northeast. That next week, I happened to be talking to a group of clients in an IOP and asked if anybody knew about Kratom, and I had five people say, oh, yeah, the opiate plant. So I think it's there. It's it's there much more on an underground basis. I think our job as addiction folks is to is to have forums like yours. Um, I, talk, I think this is great that you're putting it out there on the web and in this discussion forum so that other parts of the country can grab on and realize oh, this is not just a problem in California or Florida. This is hitting our backyard. So it is trending across the country. I think as it gets traction, we're going to hear more and more about it from the media perspective. I think the national rules in March with the change on SPICE, that was amazing to me that that didn't get a lot of press, You know right. that they had made it a scheduled drug and that now nationally it was banned. I don't think I saw that anywhere, to be honest with you that that change had occurred. We tried to get it out as an alert from the laboratory's perspective to clients who work with us, but I didn't. I don't remember seeing a splash in the USA Today or, or Newsweek or anything. So you've got to question what's going on if, if this is just, and I think that's why these drugs are successful. It's not getting the traction it needs on a national level. Well, the drugs that we have been talking about are 
primarily um, manufactured. Correct. And, and, but there are, quote-unquote, designer drugs that have an organic base to them, right? That's yeah. true. And um, one of them um, is salvia? Yes. And as Lisa's getting her notes together, we certainly saw, and uh, salvia probably about three or four years ago was trending heavily throughout the country. And then it kind of started fading. And I was hearing that a lot of the reason it faded was because it's a short-term high. Um, you know, it didn't have it, the effects that, that people thought it was going to have, and it kind of was, was trending downward. Uh, and then recently, probably the last year, We've had more and more calls and requests for salvia, and I think probably the Miley Cyrus YouTube uh, experience was helpful. But I've got to tell you, I was just recently at a very large treatment center. I was touring their adolescent facility, and they were telling me how they were uh, introducing the, the adolescent program to a parent uh, that was thinking of placing their child there. And they said, and the parent looked at them and said, "Oh my God, you've got my child's drug of choice growing in your front lawn." Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't realize that salvia was that, and and salvia again, like um, a lot of these drugs, is sold at your local nurseries. And so it takes some awareness to know what's going on. And now I'll let Lisa talk about the the uh, psychokinetics of salvia. Yeah, salvia, unlike the previous products we were talking about, um, it's a leaf plant and is indigenous to Mexico and was used in ancient tradition to help facilitate visionary states. So its actual activity is it's a hallucinogen, really quick onset of effect and, like Mary said, very short duration of action. And unlike uh, LSD, it doesn't hold the toxicity or long-term dangers, Uh, not to say that it's great to use, but there was a lot of concern initially. I think that might have been part of the drop-off in 05, 07, and that it's, you know, come into favor um, with Miley Cyrus's bong-smoking salvia. And I make that point for two reasons. One, it's usually it's smoked in that fashion because it burns so hot they can't smoke it as a blunt or a joint, so it needs to be cooled, so it's usually smoked in water pipes. Um, you know, on the side of toxicity, it's quite low and low addictive potential. Uh, so if you're saying in comparison to what we just talked about, ivory and mephedrone, where people are dying, I mean, certainly it doesn't have that, uh, you know, level of repercussion, but it's certainly, you know, not something you want your child smoking. What are some of the other organic designer drugs? Well, the one we've heard a lot about, too, recently, and we can get to Kratom last because it's a little different. Uh, Cot, they call, sometimes known as the natural mephedrone, uh, also a plant indigenous to East Africa, sometimes referred to as African salad. In fact, it's actually been around since the early 30s and died off, and there was a big surge in the 90s, again died off and came back. Um, It's a leaf that's chewed. uh, It's the most potent delivery system. But again, it's going to mimic the same type of effects, but in a natural way um, that you'll see with methadrone and other stimulants. So increased heart rate and blood pressure, uh, very much an amphetamine-like effect. Yeah, oftentimes they're rolling these leaves and chewing them like chewing tobacco. 
So, uh, again, it's an awareness level for clinicians to make sure that, um, that, that they're asking these questions upon admission because, as Lisa said, we haven't seen, uh, and I'm most familiar with it being called CAT, but we don't see it um, as frequently, but we have seen an increase in, in that usage, and they do chew it and get a very stimulated effect from it, and, um, and, that, and that's something to be very aware of. Are you, do either of you know, is this kind of an acceptable practice in some African communities that, um, that this would be something that they would do for relaxation, like in America somebody might have a martini? Well, actually, when we get to the neck kratom, you're going to see that. Um, it was used more in very small doses. It has a slight stimulatory effect, and in higher doses, it, as Mary mentioned, it has opiate-like effects. But it was used um, in Southeast Asia and Thailand. They would chew on it to kind of combat fatigue, but it also had kind of a strange side effect of causing pigmentation changes in the cheek. It increased the melanin level. So outdoor laborers, it helped them uh, be able to endure the sun better and with melanin protection and combat fatigue. But typically, you know, it's it's not chewed in such small doses. Um, that kratom leaves cannot be smoked because it will inactivate the compound itself, uh, but it does have opiate-like effects. Pretty short duration and quick onset. Um, and believe it or not, it comes from the same botanical species as coffee, uh, the oh. leaf itself. Wow. Are there any other organic designer drugs? Uh, you mean that are plant-derived? Yes, yeah. The ones we've run across, salvia, uh, cat or cot, depending on how it's said, and kratom uh, at this point is all that we've seen. But I'm sure as time marches on, there'll be other discoveries. But not, not that I'm aware of. Have you heard of any yourself? Uh, no, this is all, like, new information for me. Um you know, I, I think, as you said, a lot of this is regional. I yes. Know, um, you know, we're, spice has been big here, um, and K2 has been big. And certainly, I mean, they're not illegal, but the, the energy drinks, some of these power drinks that people are using are just, um, you know, they're drinking three or four of them. Their heart rates are going up. They're right. developing panic. They're getting anxious. They're not sleeping at night. They're... You know they're they're terrible. Well, and what we're what we have seen, if you want, is the the high caffeine dose drinks. What we still see is that we still have folks abusing uh, combinations of over the counter medication. So they're taking in dextromethorphan, which you find in the Coracidin or in the Robitussin, combining that with the Sudafed tab, combining that with a Benadryl tab and then they're washing it down with high-dose caffeine, and usually it's mixed with alcohol. So they're basically putting a chemical cocktail in their bodies. And we have heard, had reports from emergency rooms that, these, uh, that people are coming in. They are, uh, they're, they're displaying multiple agitation, um, hallucinations, and that's from the dextromethorphan, um, high pulse, high, high um, uh, heart rates, 
and they have no clue what's going on with them because they, they run a classic drug test and they may pick up a low-level amphetamine from the ephedrine-based drugs, but nothing else. And so it, it definitely is a complication that's still out there. And we'll be right back after this commercial with more on designer drugs. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co-Occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. Today we're talking about um, the contemporary challenges of designer drugs. And our guests today are Lisa Marzilli and Mary Hauser, both of Dominion Diagnostics. And I think one of the challenges in doing a show like this is the reason we're doing this is to inform you all of, of what's out there and the dangers that are associated with these designer drugs and how um, just by changing the, a small part of the molecular structure, people are able to then kind of pass a drug test and and kind of get over. But it's really, really important for everybody to understand that these drugs are dangerous and they're not for human consumption. And the fact that people are abusing them, um, they're doing, in some cases, unknown harm to their bodies. And in other cases, they're doing extreme harm to their bodies and their minds. And 
you know, we, we all of us want to be um, very clear that this program is made to educate and to warn people and to understand that there's testing available so that as clinicians or as parents or even as consumers, you can really understand what is in these products and the dangers of these products. And um, I, I just can't say that enough, is that um, these are not things that anyone should be taking or messing with. And um, and we want to inform you so that um, people can be aware and avoid the um, complications and, and not use this stuff. Uh, and having said that, there are a couple more things, uh, designer drugs, that we just want to let you know about. One is called opiate tea, which um, was around a long time ago and unfortunately is coming back. And um, Mary or Lisa, who would like to... Well, I think, you know, we get probably one of the number one questions that our clinical services team gets here at Dominion is, will a poppy seed give you a positive opiate uh, screen? And the answer to that is yes, uh, because the poppy seed comes from the same plant core as heroin and morphine. And so, yes, it will. It may detect, not on everybody, but on about 20% of the population, you may have a positive screen with eating opiate, uh, eating poppy seeds. And the opiate tea derives from, it's actually the resin on the seed. That's what, what triggers the positive uh, urine test. And what the recipe is, and this is actually posted online, um, as most things are today, that if you buy a uh, a pound of non-processed poppy seeds and you take that those poppy seeds and you put a third or a half in a teapot, cover it with water, bring it to um, add lemon juice, take it to a, a slow boil, what you're doing is you're releasing the resin. And so wait, when you brew it and warm it, you're actually pouring off a very bitter tea, and it's like drinking opium. And the thing that can be very concerning there. Um, if it's brewed, say, in a coffee maker and there happens to be more resin on the poppy than another batch, if an individual is opiate naive, you certainly can run into respiratory depression, etc. So it's not without hazard, um, and that's very disconcerting. Because all, if, if you go to the market and just pluck off a container, who's to know? You know, so they they put it in a mist of coffee and filter it through, and it happens to have a lot of resin on it. Uh, respiratory depression and death can result, especially in the opiate-naive individual. And the other, you know, just in connection, not to get off the opium tea, but just when we were talking about the, quote, natural products or leaves earlier, um, there's nothing safe about it. In fact, what I failed to mention when we talked about Kratom is it does appear to be an herbal drug of abuse and cause cravings. Patients exhibit withdrawal signs. So the idea that it's a plant makes it in no way more safe than a chemically derived. Uh, but getting back to the opium tea, um, as Mary said, the Internet and the resurgence of these things, they come back into vogue. Because I'm not sure which year it was popular. Can you answer that, Mary? How well, actually, the, the, the myths around this are that in between 1890 and 1930, it was very popular for bakers. It was known as Baker's Brew. And so they would brew this um, in the bakery. 
and get a little loaded. And, of course, it was in the 30s that poppy seeds were supposed to be cleansed, and one has to just speculate that that part of the reason they wanted to cleanse the poppy seeds was to get the resin off of it to deter to act as a deterrent to making this type of of uh, tea. However, we've seen a resurgence of it, especially since more natural product is available, uh, where you can buy more of the unprocessed poppy seeds now on online in some of the um, health food stores. Uh, you can buy um, poppy seeds that have not been overly processed. So that's and it was just about 18 months ago where I I um, had this one presented to me in a training, and because I am one who likes the lore of our field, I actually had heard of it before, and was kind of stunned and went back to the hotel and went online and just punched in opiate tea and there it popped up the recipe. And it was mentioned that uh, last week we were at probation and parole type presentation, uh, just to give you an idea of the audience. And, you know, the same type question came up, and, you know, the comment Mary replied with was, if if you're doing a urine drug test on these individuals, you've got to tell them straight up, that's not a fallback. That's not a fallback excuse, I ate a poppy seed bagel. So, you know, that needs to be mentioned as well, because certainly the lab test, even even a more specific and sensitive test that we have here, cannot distinguish what the source of opium is, whether it's poppy or an opiate. So that needs to be discussed if someone is going to continue with treatment that, you know, that is a well-known fact and, you know, kindly deter from consuming poppy as best you can. And I think, Mary, you made a big uh, a point that I want to get back to, and it's it's though uh, Lisa and I are here representing a testing laboratory, that um, testing is just one piece of the clinician's toolbox. Education, knowledge, and monitoring of behavior are all things that we have to make sure that we have the best skills on. So hopefully this has been educational for clinicians, uh, parents of concern, and folks out there, because um, we don't want to have this being used as a as a, a a show and tell of what can be abused, but more of these are the warning signs, these are the concerns, because these are all mood-altering substances. None of them would be in our world safe. Uh, but if there's not a drug test available at this point in time, you know, it should not stop a clinician from being uh, knowledgeable and concerned and asking the right questions um, because, you know, as we develop assays in a laboratory setting, uh, we can do them just as fast as we can, but they, that can only be one component of your assessment. It also has to be your knowledge, the information you have, and how you're assessing that client sitting in front of you. And uh, early on, when I started, like I said, it was not more than a year and a half ago, I remember Mary underscoring the fact that, you know, especially in in addiction treatment where the funds are more limited and confirmation testing, you know, is, may not be available, the urine drug test is only going to provi- provide, you know, half of the story, if that. It's just going to help direct the conversation uh, because more is going to be what they glean from the individual themselves. Um, I want to thank you both for, uh, this has been a fascinating hour, and how can people get a hold of you if they have further questions? Yeah, our toll-free number here is 
877-734-9600. And you can, either, you can ask for either Lisa or myself, and we'd be happy to chat with people and see if we can be helpful. Thank you both. Have a great week, everyone. You too. appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.